Patsy DeFerrance is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Okay, so after perhaps the most predictable Patriots game in recent memory, certainly for my memory, covering the team last five plus seasons, Patriots 15, Jets 10, it was wet, it was windy, it was ugly. Uh, we have collectively gone off the rails. Anyone watching this team, observing, reporting on it, because as I sit here tonight, Monday, film notes, everything coming at you, the good, the bad. We have game balls for the first time. What would NFL film say? Then your mailbag questions. Things are things are crazy, okay? I spent most of today watching real football to get all these notes and stats and nuggets for you. The other part of my day was spent watching the same couple seconds of Mac Jones maybe, maybe not contacting another man in the penis and whether that actually means anything moving forward because maybe he gets suspended or maybe he doesn't. And Max says it's incidental and all told, it really doesn't matter. But man, this is where we're at. This is, this is crazy. The Patriots are one and two. You have people inflamed at the idea that he did this. Those who believe that he didn't do it. Similarly, you have people watching that 15 to 10 game, feeling very encouraged by the Patriots. They got a win. It was in the division. They earned it. They went on the road. They even covered the spread. Okay. And I'm not here to argue against that. A win is a win. You should celebrate that if you are a fan. And then other people, like I felt after watching that game on Sunday, going, man, I don't know how much I've learned about the Patriots through three weeks. And the things that I have learned have underwhelmed a little bit. And then I express that. And then you get the pushback from the people I mentioned at the start. And here we are sitting. Uh, what was the phrase? Happily miserable, courtesy of Julian Edelman at one and two. So this episode of the past interference podcast will not be happily miserable, but it will be brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner for the CLNS media network. Uh, excited to give out game balls in this Monday night edition for the first time after wins. That's what we will do again. Still the same, the good, the bad, the game balls. What would NFL film say? And then your mailbag questions. Original plan was to have Taylor Kyles of the CLS Media Network uh, come aboard. Taylor is a famous ball knower, knows his exes, knows his football. Um, if you follow, don't follow him on Twitter, obviously, please do. He'll be back at another point. In the meantime, you just get me. So I want to start with the question, not that really pertain to, as I described, the most predictable Patriots game in recent memory. Uh, we all watched it. We all know what happened. The Patriots waited out Zach Wilson didn't make the worst mistake and got it out of there with the win, which is the same formula that they've used now the last five times they faced the Jets. Ever since Zach Wilson got there, that's been the plan. I want to look at the whole three weeks because, again, the Patriots are one and two. According to Vegas, this is exactly where they should be. You lose two close games at home, which is why I was not hitting the panic meter personally, as other media members were or asking me about on radio and TV. I go, it's two games. Again, I made the same analogy. It's a little fraught because if you're in baseball and you're winless at the end of April, you kind of got a problem. Same thing with the NBA Thanksgiving. The Patriots are no longer there, but where they are, again, is where people expected them to be. And outside of New England, not including this podcast, where I've said time and again, I expect them to win nine or 10 games. This was seen as a seven and 10, or eight and 19. And they've been outscored through three games. As mentioned, they lost those early games when they were home underdogs, the Eagles and the Dolphins, and then beat the Jets. And so the reason I felt a little discouraged by this three-week stretch, which by the way, if they go and beat Dallas on the road, right now a six and a half point underdogs, even though Dallas just got their butts kicked somehow in Arizona, all of this changes. Your two and two signature win, underdog win for Mac Jones, et cetera, et cetera. Ignore all this. But for the meantime, because we're not in Dallas yet and the Patriots haven't won this game, I felt a little underwhelmed because 
similar to Vegas's outlook for this team, the Patriots have matched what we expected going into this season, which to review, better coaching. Okay, Bill O'Brien schemed the Patriots' only offensive touchdown against the Jets. 58 yards to Pharaoh Brown. Hope you started him in fantasy uh, from a three tight end set. It was the eighth play they had run from three tight ends. All of them were under center. All seven had been runs. And then the eighth was a play action pass. He goes right down the right seam. Great job, Farrell Brown. Bill O'Brien's helping. He's also helping Mac Jones, who's been better. I've said time and again, exemplary under pressure. He's a top 10 quarterback in the league right now by QBR under pressure. He did it again against the Jets at 54% success rate. I mean, he stayed on schedule, moved the chains, even when he had a rusher in his face. Five of 10 with an eight-yard scramble, something like 60 yards. But the offense has been held back by its offensive line. This offense is scoring just under 17 points per game. The Patriots have yet to cross 20 points per game. And then you look at the receiving core. This is definitely underwhelmed. Kendrick Moore is the only Patriots player to have more than two catches against the Jets. Juju Smith-Schuster documented and reported on this. Patriots don't see him as a top option right now. He had one catch and went for five yards. So all of that together, again, met to expectations. The problems are the problems. The strengths are the strengths. It's a matter of which is going to change first. Are the things that are good going to get better? Are the things that are bad going to get worse? And we don't really know. Another thing that's been excellent, of course, for the Patriots, as expected, has been their defense. Um, We'll get to this a little bit more with Zach Wilson, but that's the part where I just think in the modern league, you could only ask your team so much at the end of games to have the defense lead the way. And they did that. And I talked to Matthew Slater after the game. He thought it was fitting. Matthew Slater, by the way, gave a speech to the team last Friday saying basically, hey, fellas, we can't go 0-3. This game is about who we want to be, and you got to make that decision now. Of course, they beat the Jets or 1-2, stave off all the panic stuff. But you're going to need to lead through your offense. Win games at the end, apply the pressure, and do that. They haven't done it yet. So, again, they're 1-2. and two. What have we learned? I don't think it's a whole lot. Mac being better under pressure right now is, has had some payoff. They're not as obvious as a fourth quarter comeback would be or making a long touchdown pass in the face of pressure. He is, by the way, as far as deep passing goes, um, second worst in terms of completion percentage, 20-yard passes downfield. I'm not too worried about that just yet. I'll explain why later. But there are payoffs because I mentioned Farrell Brown's touchdown. Again, a culmination of better quarterback play, coaching, and scheme. The play before that, Mac had an 18-yard completion, excuse me, 15-yard completion to Demario Douglas, third down, in the face of pressure, lost it just over the reach of a Jets defender, completes it first down, next play, boom, over the top. Patriots go up then 10 to nothing. So the payoffs are coming. They're just not directly linked, I think, in the greater collective memory understanding of the fan base that, hey, this is important, Max, better than he was a year ago, where you didn't even need a sack. You just needed to get close to him, and he was spooked and throwing the ball away. So I look at this group, again, slightly discouraged, well, understanding, and preaching, it is only week four. As much as we think we know things, and you've heard me say this before, I'm sorry for the folks who are hearing it for the billionth time, the NFL smacks us across the face in September and says, you know nothing yet. And if you don't believe me, just ask the Cowboy fans, uh, who will be sharing a viewing experience with this Sunday as they lick their wound from that loss at Arizona. Okay, let's get to it. The good, the bad, game balls, and what would NFL films say? Uh, The good. I mentioned Mac under pressure. We can skip that. Let's get to the run game. 157 yards, season high. 3.9 yards a carry. Not great, but fine. Ezekiel Elliott 
And Ramondre Stevenson combined to average almost two and a half yards per carry after contact. That'll get the job done. That was better than they had against the Eagles. It was better than they had against the Dolphins. So people were, you know, a little, I want to say queasy, but kind of uneasy about Mondre's uh, performance. Yeah, he hasn't been explosive. The fantasy numbers probably aren't what you want. But together, this is exactly what you want. Zeke keeping Mondre fresh. Zeke getting to 80 yards a season high and getting more comfortable in the system. And it wasn't just that he kind of powered forward on some sort of yardage stuff, which we talked about uh, against Miami. Their success rate was you know, 50%. Again, how often are you staying on schedule? Running the ball, they did that. Third and one, it was automatic. This was his vision, knowing when to cut back and get those extra yards, where sometimes he didn't even have contact to get through. He just saw an open lane that wasn't supposed to be there. So the run game is encouraging, not only because of those guys, but as I've said before, one of the two main factors that determine whether you're going to run the ball at all. And neither of them are the running backs. It's the effectiveness of your offensive line blocking. And then defensively, what the box count is and against the jets who are primarily a, you know, it comes from a cover three system. So you have the single high safety and a seventh or eighth man in the box, but they played a lot of a quarters, you know, cover four, six, that means two deep safeties. They crept into the box because the Patriots drew them in there and then motioned them out. Sometimes it was a tight end moving out. Sometimes it was reminder of Stevenson and two back uh, uh, personnel groupings going out there. They tried to lighten the box and then attacked and they could do this because Trent Brown balled, out left tackle not only zero pressures allowed zero run stuffs allowed one of their first runs was a 12-yard toss to the left side that's what you need and off to the right side Mike Unwenu who I wrote and I think it's true so I wrote it uh it's still knocking off some rust they averaged 8.5 yards per carry going behind the right guard that'll do so in between them David Andrews clean sheet great game for him Cole Strange got some issues but overall this run game got better because Zeke is settling in. They're eliminating that box count, pulling defenders out to give them more room to run. And the offensive line is coming along. Part of that, of course, is health. But Darian Lowe started at right tackle. Wasn't any better than Calvin Anderson. We'll get to him later. But overall, the run game was encouraging. You're going to need that for an offense that until you get, you know, more explosive plays out of Demario Douglas uh, or scheme them through play action, which they're still not running a ton of play action, only got to 20% against the Jets, and that's frankly too low for, for my liking. I think it should be theirs. Um, you're going to have to stay on schedule. You're going to need to run the ball because you're not going to get those big chunk plays. And snap into NFL action this season with America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200. That's two zero zero in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, you hear me make these ad reads, and hopefully don't fast forward Get your money and get into the action right now. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders. I hit the under for Patriots Dolphins. I just had the wrong team winning. Uh, and lots more. Visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. $200 in bonus bets with just your first $5 bet. Must be 21 year older and present Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions to apply. Please see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline MA.org or call 800 327 5050 for 24 7 support. Play it smart from the start. Game sense MA.com or call 1 800 GAM 1234. I mentioned scheming. I just want to highlight Bill O'Brien there again, too. They got to an early lead. Part of that wasn't fumbling or throwing a pick in the first quarter. It's amazing what not doing that can do for your offense. 
Um, that was impressive. You know, the second half obviously was not. This was a very simplistic, conservative game plan. I look at this as part of Belichick's directive, um, not because it's to, to bash Bill. I mean, they won the game, they achieved what they wanted to. But, you know, if you've heard coaches or players talk long enough about, you know, their preparation, it all starts with a vision that Belichick actually has for how the game is going to go. Just his gut feeling and sense of studying film day after day after day and says not only are these going to be the key factors like, hey, don't turn the ball over in the first quarter against Miami. Boom, 17 to three deficit at halftime. But got to have a situations. This is how it's going to go. Or when it's raining, this is how the Jets are going to respond. And typically within that vision, the game goes according to plan. I mean, this is a guy who's been coaching the NFL for half a century. He obviously knows what he's talking about because there are only so many different ways a football game can play out. My thing about that is, though, <clears throat> excuse me, is that sometimes they'll stick to the script that Belichick envisioned or their game plan, what they thought they would get. And Bill O'Brien admitted this uh, a week ago. The Patriots have to do better at adapting to what they're seeing versus what they expected. And the reason I bring this up is I think his play calling in the second half, which I describe in my film review, is basically they get a 13 to three lead there early in the third quarter against the Jets. They know it's raining. They know Zach Wilson sucks. And they can just kind of wait up the clock. They just sat on the ball. Like they ran the ball on 75% of their first down plays against the Jets. Part of that was game script. Again, it's late in the game. You got a lead, run the clock. But I think they played overly conservative. And so I don't put that on O'Brien, even though he's the one calling the plays. I put it on Belichick saying, hey, this is the game we need to play. This is how I see it. And for the most part, uh, probably save for a safety at the end. And Hail Mary after that, uh, he was right. So. Let's go to that defense, though, because, again, the defense carried the day against the Jets. 40% pressure rate again. That is two out of three weeks for this pass rush, which I said had a chance, just a chance, to be the best of the Belichick era. Matt Judon, four pressures, including two sacks. Christian Barmore had a sack and three pressures. Uh, three hurries for Josh Uche and two hurries for Keon White, which, by the way, I posted a Keon White uh, highlight, first tweet, as I'm kind of going through the film. You need to find this. This dude undresses Mekhi Becton, then plows through the running back in the backfield, doesn't get there for a sack. But it's just that like rare strength and explosiveness where he's playing only because they're, they're in three, four base defense just to say, hey, you're not running the ball. Give it to Zach and we'll take our chances with that. Um, but overall, the pass rush was great. And, and when you look at that and you kind of unpack some of the numbers, it wasn't just the 40% pressure rate, which they had also against the Eagles and not against Miami because as we documented, Tua was getting the ball out as, as quickly as humanly possible. This was about smart blitz pressure because the Patriots, and this, you know, this encompasses some coaching too. The Patriots blitzed Zach Wilson on his first four true dropbacks. So what I mean by that is his first pass attempt was actually an RPO. He could have handed the ball off, instead fired a, a bubble screen, their first play from scrimmage. But the next four times, which are all second or third and long, Patriots are sending blitz pressure because they know that Zach Wilson melts like an ice cream cone under a hot sun in June under pressure. He did it last year. He's done it this season. He did it against them. What this also did was allow Steve Belichick then to stay a step ahead because, hey, again, you blitz Zach Wilson, that's going to be free money. But once the Jets start to expect it and they start to max protect, meaning they keep in at least seven blockers, you know, extra tight end, running back, or both, then they can kind of damn that pressure up, give him a little bit of time, and maybe he finds someone downfield or gets out of the pocket, improvises, and creates a big play that way. Well, the Jets start to max protect there in the second quarter. And Steve Belichick says, I'm going to show you blitz, and then I'm going to back out of it. 
And so this cat and mouse game worked for three quarters until the fourth when the Jets get that one touchdown drive, which started with uh, better running. Devon Gachow was out at that point. Daniel Akawale, who's a, you know, a rotating uh, pass rush specialist, a defensive tackle. He's out with an elbow injury. So naturally, there's kind of a soft middle there where Christian Barmore is like, I didn't ask for any of this, especially playing nose tackle as someone who's a giant human being, but undersized uh, to play nose tackle. The Jets get the run game going. Wilson gets more comfortable. You see him hit a, a sideline pass against cover two, which the Patriots played a lot of. And we talked about this before. You know, you've got a flat defender covering up to about seven, to eight yards off the line of scrimmage, then a safety in the deep half, who's usually 15 to 20. So between that eight to 15 yard space down the sideline, that's open. It's called the honey hole. And so Wilson passed up a shot there in third down in the second quarter when he just threw a quick check down, rally, tackle, Jets have to punt deep in their own end. On this drive in the fourth quarter, because they started to run the ball better, the Patriots pick up their blitz uh, pressure, but don't get home. He gets more comfortable. He gets in a rhythm. He hit that honey hole shot to Alan Lazard, who then got clobbered by Kyle Duggar. Not a deal I would personally make 14 yards for Kyle Duggar taking my head off, but they did go down and score that touchdown. So Steve Belichick was a step ahead until that drive. They adjust and eventually know we're going to win out. And they did because that next series, Judon gets a safety. After that is three straight incompletions. Zach Wilson goes, oh, fourth and 10. Why don't I throw this into the flat? One yard turnover on downs. And of course, hit the ball again because the offense can't finish. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, last one for the good. Christian Gonzalez, stud. That's it. That's, it's, it's what we saw dating back to the spring, which didn't mean a whole lot for non-padded OTAs throughout the summer. The opener, the second game against Tyreek Hill, like he is walking through the fire right now, you know, baptism by fire. He is just straight on through it like that gift. And he is fine. And it's not only just that these are good receivers. These are good receivers of different body types and capabilities, like the straight speedster, Devontae Smith, different from the yards after catch monster and A.J. Brown. Tyree Kill is a one of one. And then Garrett Wilson's an exceptional route runner, got that deep speed. And Gonzalez was all over it. He allowed two catches for 18 yards. You'll take that every single week when it's your top corner against their top receiver. And I'll say this, even though Jack Jones was out, Jonathan Jones was out, and Marcus Jones was out, the Patriots didn't have Gonzalez shadow Garrett Wilson like I thought they might. Would have felt comfortable with that. They said, we'll play a lot of zone. I mentioned cover two, some cover three in there, some quarters. And then when it came to critical situations, that's when they said, okay, Christian, like, find 17, take care of 17. And he did. All right. On to the bad. Um, I mentioned run blocking. So 157 yards, very good. 3.9 yards per carry. Not great. Uh, one other number I want to throw in there. Cause I, I keep talking about success rate staying on schedule. They, they have to do it again. This is going to be a very steady Eddie offense on explosive plays 4.6 yards per carry on first down. That'll do. That means you're on schedule. That means you're getting enough yards, but the Patriots <clears throat> far as the bad goes, did not get enough yards at the end of the game. Three separate drives in the last five and a half minutes. Can't happen. It's the opposite of can't happen. These are got to have it situations, and they just couldn't come through. Now, part of it was the first down running went from 4.6 yards per carry down to 2.3. So right then, you know, 4.6, if it's first and 10, you can get that. You're on schedule. That is 100% success rate for that one play. If it only goes two yards or three yards, that is 0% success rate because you did not get 40% of what you needed on first and 10. So they're behind a little bit more. What set them really far behind were two passes. 
both the Juju Smith-Schuster, one was a slot fade, which is a route that you'll run when you like your matchup one-on-one in the slot. Obviously, they did with Juju. And you run it toward the sideline. Again, it's, it's an elongated fade. So you're kind of going back to this imaginary corner because you expect a single high safety. So what the route does is it gives you a one-on-one for that receiver against whatever defender he has because he can't just cut him loose. He's going up the seam in a way. But it keeps him away from the deep safety. Mack and Juju couldn't connect. Um, on that or an ensuing drive, their, their penultimate drive, the second to last one, where Juju runs a similar route, but this time they incorporate a rub from Kendrick Bourne. The rub didn't get there. Neither did Juju, and the pass was well wide. Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston, front of the podcast, reported that some of these throws were, okay, my guy or nothing, which is just a quarterback saying, you know, he'll catch it or no one will. And that speaks to what I spoke about before, the Patriots seeing this game, going, we don't screw up. If we just wait them out, and as Belichick said after the game of the locker room, no turnovers will win. They took that pretty damn close, like 50 yard, 54 yards away from the Hail Mary is how close they came from losing this game with that game plan. Obviously, they didn't, but the fact they couldn't finish three separate drives was a real bummer, considering the play of their offensive line to date, the running backs were playing well. The Jets have a hell of a defense. Don't, don't get this twisted, but you need to finish those wins because, again, they asked their defense to do something I don't think is, frankly, sustainable. Uh, relatedly, wide receiver play. It's not good enough, man. And Demario Douglas got screwed. That was absolutely defensive pass interference. Same route, by the way, the slot fade that he had at the end of the first half. They're going down the two-minute drill. Uh, Mac made a check. I think it was kind of like a rain signal. I don't know how that translates to a slot fade. That's what Demario Douglas ran. Hit in the face. Ball arrives. No flag. But they need to get better separation. And we discussed right at the beginning of the season, yards after catch was going to be huge. They had a ton against Philly less against Miami, and virtually none here against the Jets. No surprise, even though Mac Jones had his least accurate performance to date. Mac, by the way, just overall pedestrian. I mean, like just perfectly average, epitome of average, uh, completed just over half his passes. A couple more were accurate enough, but uh, nothing deep. Um, The the receivers have to do better because Kendrick Moore was the only receiver with more than two catches, and you can't live like that. Devontae Parker, great. One third down catch, 16 yards, move the chains in a deep out route. Uh, Juju, we talked about one pass, three targets, five yards. Mike Kosicki and Hunter Henry, I thought would get more looks. Kosicki got that first third down conversion. Didn't really go back to him. Mac tried to force a couple passes of Hunter Henry. Didn't work. Farrell Brown, though, maybe just <laughs> maybe just go back to him. Anyway, you, you need more from the receivers. This was a C-minus, C game at best, I think, from them. Last one of the deep ball. Um, I said I'm not worried about this really in the long term. That's the truth. But when you're 0 for 5 on passes that are 20 yards or longer, just straight through the air, that's not going to cut it. Because Mac on the season is 2 of 16 in that department. And a lot of those have gone to Kendrick Bourne. I think for now you need to scrap those. Because when you looked at Bourne last year, even the year before, he wasn't really necessarily succeeding on those routes. Like He had a couple nifty catches. I remember one specifically against Cincinnati Christmas Eve last year. But that's not his game. You need to get him in space. Like, this is a guy who was taking jet sweeps when McDaniels was here. You know, drag routes. That was his last catch. It only went for two yards. But short stuff, get him run. He's a stronger guy. He added 15 pounds of freaking muscle this year. Put that to use. It's not downfield against Sauce Gardner. Who did give up two catches, by the way. The reason I'm not overly concerned about this two of 16, not even a small sample thing. It's when you look at the defenses that the Patriots faced. Eagles prefer to too high structure with Sean Desai, their new defensive coordinator, who learned under who? V. 
Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio, famously, too high structure. Prevent the deep play. We'll let you have everything else underneath and kind of play downhill. The Jets, as I mentioned, are not a team that abides entirely by that same system, but have leaned into more too high structure in defense. And so the Patriots suck them in a little bit with their personnel usage, all this 13 personnel, three tight ends. But the Jets still don't give up deep plays. Like That's not how teams beat them last year. That's why the games were so close against them for the Patriots. Not only just their offense was a mess, but they couldn't generate any big plays. They got, they got a couple, you know, Farrell Brown, uh, and then a few running plays. So I think when you start to face other defenses that are more comfortable playing in single high, like Dallas this weekend, especially with Trayvon Diggs that are out, the Patriots will have more success taking these shots because structurally the defense is going to give them more one-on-one. So you'll see more opportunities for Devontae Parker downfield. Tyquan Thornton could also come back in now less than two weeks. And Demario Douglas, thank God, is out of the doghouse. Uh, but you still need to get him more touches. So it's the defenses they're going to face coming up. The Saints could be an issue. But also, I think the players that are coming back, either from the doghouse or from IR, that I just I want to give it a couple more weeks before I go. This is a real issue because yes, Mac has been incredibly inaccurate on those throws, but I, I just want to give it a little bit more time. Okay, game balls. Okay, guys, taking a quick break from the football to talk about a new Pats Interference partner, AG1. It's a daily nutritional supplement for whole body health. I gave AG1 a try, frankly, because they gave me a call. But now after months of using AG1, I am giving you a call because I take one scoop of AG1, mix it into a glass of water every morning before breakfast and drink it. And right then and there, I know, regardless of how long my day goes, how stressed I get or how busy I am with work down at Foxborough, I have taken care of my vitamin, mineral and nutrient needs. I have taken care of my body and it makes me feel great. And as they say, you are what you eat. And what AG1 is, is a science-driven formulation of those vitamins, minerals, and probiotics, all whole food source nutrients that support your energy, focus, strength, and mental clarity every single day. Who doesn't need that mental clarity, especially nowadays? And AG1 as a whole is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. That goes for you folks taking the one pill a day. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, give AG1 a try and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs through the first purchase. All you have to do, it's very simple. Go to drinkag1.com slash pats. That's drinkag1.com slash P-A-T-S. Drinkag1.com slash pats. Check it out. Uh, Matt Judon, two sacks, two points. That'll do Trent Brown kicked ass. Talked about him. No pressures through two games, according to my charting. No run stuff. Like, they need the big fella in a big way, and he's coming through right now, which is great news. Um, the last one, I'll say – I had this written down. Oh, Farrell Brown. What, what, <laughs> why did that take so long? 58-yard touchdown, his first. That was of that length, 50 yards or more since college. Uh, Oregon Ducks, so he's had a good couple of days of football. Uh, had another 12-yard catch. Led the team with 71 yards, had a couple killer blocks, two on the edge where he's handling defensive ends. And like Jermaine Johnson's not a big dude for the Jets. He's only like 6'2", 262. And Farrell Brown's 6'6", 258. But that's a block that Hunter Henry's not going to say. And Mike Kosicki, I don't think they're going to even ask him to bother to make where he's handling the defensive end one-on-one. Uh, Farrell Brown really got it done as a blocker and as a receiver. This was a really, really good signing, at least through three games. Uh, so game ball to him. Okay. 
What would NFL film say? For those of you that are new, thank you, first of all, for sticking around this long through a solo podcast. Again, it sounds more rosy than it is. I, I, I get a little discouraged over all three games. We'll give it some more time. Um, but as far as NFL film goes, this is going to be as rosy as you can be when it comes to a Hail Mary coming that uh, short of, of putting you down to 0-3. You're going to focus on the rain. This segment, by the way, is, is imagining a season-long documentary about the season. What would they say uh, as far as it fitting into the season-long narrative and what they would think? They focus on the rain. You you focus on the frustration of coming to 0-2. Any sort of message before the game. Adrian Phillips has taken over now in the defensive huddle. You get right to Farrell Brown with that long touchdown. Replay it 5 million times. Um I don't think you'll see a lot of like the Belichick Jets history stuff just because again, the Jets haven't won since 2015. This is, this is a fierce rivalry that's just been thoroughly defanged. Then you get closer towards the end um, sack of Zach Wilson. They finally break through, get a touchdown. Judon answers the safety, but the Jets obviously keep going. And there's probably a line about rivalry in there as much as I just kind of poo-pooed that because how else would you explain Zach Wilson, the worst quarterback in the league, getting a shot to win the game Long, dramatic sound, song, ball goes up, crescendos, uh, decrescendos, and Kyle Duggar hits it, Randall Cobb outstretches, and that is the difference uh, between 0-3 and 1-2. and and The Patriots very excited to move on. You obviously get the clip of Belichick in the locker room after saying no turnovers. That's what got it done, and they move on to Dallas. Okay, mailbag, four questions this week. Uh, We'll run through them and get out of here. Corey wants to know, do you see any in-season trade possibilities for offensive help? He cites Renfro, uh, Jerry Judy, et cetera. Short answer, no. Um, happy answer, someone raised the possibility of a Devontae Adams trade today I saw on Twitter. And, man, I don't think there's a better fit for a player and an offense that needs someone like him uh, than Devontae Adams in a Patriots uniform. Not to mention that you know his transition here would be eased by the fact he's playing for McDaniels, knows the system, would get as many targets here as he does in Vegas. The trouble is any sort of trade that you want to imagine up, whether it's just as fantastic as that one that I just threw out there, fantastic meeting, just outright fantasy, not great. Um, Maybe that's fantastical. We'll find that out. We'll get, we'll get research on it. No team is going to want to sell at least for another four weeks. And that's the issue. Like the NFL has very wisely pushed the trade deadline back. They don't need to have these conversations. There are teams that I think should be actively tanking. And yet, you look at the number one team with a bullet that had been tanking and should be tanking. The Arizona Cardinals just beat a team that I thought might have been the best in the league this weekend at home by a lot in Dallas. So it's going to take more time for these conversations to come about. I don't think franchises like the Cardinals are, you know, deluding themselves into thinking they could contend. But if you want to get a player like Judy or Renfro, it's going to take the Raiders and Broncos to endure a little bit more pain before they sail off and go, yeah, we'll probably be worse off without them. Renfro's an interesting case, though, because he's not getting any targets in Vegas. Um, McDaniels is a guy who needs to win, uh, as does Dave Ziegler, their GM. But the difference of opinion in a player like him, I'm not sure is going to be realistic. Like that also has to move, you know, the the needle or or get a trade going, right? Is, you know, one team sees an opportunity, the other one, you know, one man's trash is another treasure. If the Patriots like Hunter Renfro, they might ask, well, why doesn't McDaniels, who comes from the same program at cloth, we cut him from here. What's the deal with his fit in that offense? Uh, maybe they take a swing anyway. I don't think so because you got plenty of guys who play in the slot, but I should have just stuck with the short answer of no. Uh, guy, 
speaking of receivers, is Juju Smith-Schuster running the right routes? He cites fourth quarter, third down, rub route. We already talked about this. Uh, if he stays flat to the sideline, he's open. Mac puts the ball outside and short because that's the only place it could go. He kept running on, big miss. So as I detailed in, in credit Phil Perry for this, you know, his understanding was Mac did that just to avoid a worst case scenario, an interception, which Patriots couldn't have. It was drilled into them all week. No turnovers celebrated afterward, like a, like a battle cry. Um, yes, I think he's running the right routes. I don't think the route was precise. I don't think they got enough friction uh, there to spring him free, but part of it was max throw. And part of it was just the timing was off on that. So max said, F it. We'll just throw this out. Ashley quote. Hi, Andrew. I thought Lowe looked really good at right tackle against the jets. What did you think of his performance? And do you think we will see the same starting five going forward? Um, Ashley, I hate to break it to you. I was not as high on Bedarian Lowe as you were. I had him down for four hurries and a quarterback hit. There was another quarterback hit. I didn't give to him. Um, but it was his guy uh, that eventually did contact Mac. And part of that is timing. You know, when does Mac supposed to have the ball out? Is Mac stepping into the pressure? So those five pressures were the most among any Patriots offensive lineman. He has mostly played left tackle, even going back to college. So not only just going one week flipping from left to right, but from left to right where you're used to, to a place that you're not is difficult. I, I don't think we'll see the same starting five moving forward, partly just because we're heading into week four. And this line is going to try to figure out its best combinations. Like this is still a team that, you know, has Tyrone Wheatley Jr., Calvin Anderson, Riley Reef could be coming back in Bedarian Lowe. Like that's a question I don't think they have an answer to. And Lowe definitely didn't play well enough to cement his spot there. Uh, but we could. I mean, they made the change after two weeks with Calvin Anderson. So he might be in a place of just depends on practice this week. And, and that's what they, they go with. All right. Last one. Cheeseburger Posse. He wants to know about Marte Mapu. Quote, how's Mapu looking through three games? Haven't noticed any real impact plays other than the penalty last week. Are they easing him in? So this is, and I'm glad you brought this up, an understated storyline. Not because it's uh, you know, significant. We're not missing anything big here. He, he's not playing you know, more than 20% of the snaps in any of these games. Uh, he's rotating in sometimes when they go to big nickel. But it's not only Marte Mapu who's not playing a whole lot, even when they go to three safety looks. It's Adrian Phillips. Phillips played, I think, 6% of their snaps um, against the Jets. And some of those were in these quarter looks where at the end of the game, it's just like giant pre-gun defense. You've got uh, seven defensive backs. Some people call them dollar to confuse, to avoid the confusion of quarter coverage, quarters coverage versus a quarter package. So it's... I think it just goes back to what I said a month or two ago when I sounded like kind of a wet blanket when it came to Mapu. Really excited what I saw in training camp. OTAs are great. I just don't know what his path is to playing time because you've got Duggar, you've got Jabril Peppers in there. When they go to dime packages, um, you know, they've got Jalen Mills, who's playing free safety, making those calls and playing back deep. And then Phillips is not playing a whole lot, but Mapu's pretty much playing less. So I think they're trying to keep most of those guys free. Like Duggar's going to play every snap that he can. Um, but they're just waiting because he's, he's at the, their deepest position. He's a good player, but he's not someone who's forcing his way into the field yet. And he's just going to take his time. The good news is he told our friend, Doug Kide, he's learned basically every position on the defense for every play. So if he can fill in, uh, he will. All right, that'll do it. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We are going to try to incorporate more guests on Mondays. If we can get them, we're over one here so far, but the Patriots are one and two. If you have any sort of feedback, please hit me. Uh, on Twitter at underscore Andrew Callahan, a Callahan on Boston uh, at bostonherald.com. Ton of feedback, of course, this week after a game like that. 
marching on to Dallas. This whole conversation that we've had through September could really change if they get a win. I don't know if they do, but you will know what I think they will do in our next episode. Should be out Thursday night or Friday. Until then, have a great week. Take it easy and revel in the Patriots' first win of the season.